This is FemPower Health. Each week, top women's health experts dispel fact from fiction. The most important pelvic floor exercise is not the Kegel. Challenge the status quo. It's never easy to challenge the accepted leaders, and especially if you're a woman. Provide perspective on why your healthcare journey may be so tough. All of that fear and worry, it all upregulates our nervous system, puts us into fight or flight mode, and increases our pain sensitivity. And what you can do about it. The number one thing is you have to advocate for yourself, and you have to be prepared. Your journey to get empowered starts now. We are biologically programmed to care about the way that our skin looks because it's alerting us to something that is going on underneath the hood, so to say. It wants us to pay attention because if we continue along the path that we are going down, there may be worse health outcomes to develop. Welcome to FemPower Health. Georgie here. How many of you have products in your drawer that are there to prevent acne, disguise acne, and get rid of the acne that you have? I know as an adolescent, I had a lot of those products and quite honestly, I found few of them worked for me. So if you're in that situation, definitely take a listen because I am pleased to bring to you Cheryl Woodman. She is a scientist and skincare expert and she is going to talk to us about the science behind acne. And since we recorded the episode, I implemented some of her suggestions as well as some of the people in my life and we have found them to work. And you will also understand through this discussion why we're also even seeing an increase in acne as we age. So yes, this is not just for teenagers, it's for all of us. So let's take a listen to Cheryl Woodman, the skincare expert on acne. Well, I'm so excited to talk to you about acne. It is something I think most of us face, and for those who don't, totally not fair. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, it's something we've all gone through and, you know, I'm, I'm excited to be talking to an expert about this because I admit, like, even with this podcast and granted that I had greater acne when um, I was younger, you know, even now in perimenopause, I get it. I just stick something on it and that's it. I just say, oh, that's just how it is with life. And so, you know, it'll be exciting to better understand some of the nuances as we uh, connect today. So why don't you start with your background and then we can dive right in. For sure. So I am a scientist and I'm specialized in skincare and more specifically in the area of acne. I'm also a cosmetic formulator. So that means I have this really unique perspective of firstly being exposed to the latest research in skincare and acne, but also understanding skincare from an ingredients label point of view so when you choose food to nourish your body with you look at that ingredients list to see what is in the product you're buying to make an informed decision when it comes to skincare you know most humans unless you're trained in cosmetic formulation that ingredients list on skincare bottles is in gobbledygook and as a skincare formulator i understand what those ingredients are why they're there what they can do for your skin health how they can help acne or how some products and ingredients might actually worsen acne symptoms so i have that unique perspective which enables me to look at acne from a more holistic point of view 
skincare diet and lifestyle changes, which can work to reverse the changes the scientific literature is showing causes acne in our biology. And I work somewhat differently from a dermatologist because most dermatologists are trained in what prescription drug product can be a solution for different skincare concerns whereas I'm looking more at what is causing that change in your skin biology and looking to heal it more naturally and holistically by reversing those biological changes and I do what I do because I suffered with acne myself in the past and I never actually experienced it as a teenager. I was really lucky in my teenage years. I had great skin. It hit me out of nowhere in my final years at university where I just started getting these more persistent breakouts on my jawline and they didn't really bother me that much at the time. They were smaller, less inflamed and I turned to the usual suspects, acne face washes to try and get rid of the breakouts I was seeing and they kind of worked on and off for a while it was enough to kind of pacify some symptoms but I definitely noticed cycles of oiliness and dryness and my skin health kind of reducing where breakouts would take longer to heal than they did in the beginning and I was getting more pigmentation acne scars left on my skin and then that kind of escalated until I was a few years into my first corporate job and I started getting these huge painful acne cysts around my jawline the ones that you're really conscious of because they're so deep rooted and inflamed that as you move or even speak they are slightly or sometimes very painful. And I was barely getting rid of one before more were cropping up. And it was just this cycle that was going on and on. And it really started to dent my self-esteem and confidence because I just felt really conscious of my appearance, especially sat in corporate meetings, feeling like anybody, all anybody could see of me was my skin. I have a really vivid memory, which was kind of the breaking point for me. I had an hour's commute home at the time. It was winter, it was really cold, and I just wanted to be home straight away because my face felt like an oil slick. I'd been trying to cover up my breakouts with makeup, but towards the end of the day, that makeup would just sweat out of my skin and then it would leave patchy areas over the spots and it would just draw more attention to my breakouts. And I I just felt kind of, disgusting for want of a better word in my skin and I wanted to be home to wash my face and I remember doing that and looking in the mirror afterwards and just my heart sinking and feeling like is this going to be my skin forever and so I decided to ask for help so I went to a medical professional I went to a pharmacist and his first words just made my heart plummet he said to me there's nothing that can be done. You're just going to have to accept and live with it. And you are kidding. <laughs> no, <laughs> I was, I was so shocked by those words because I expected to receive some help or some guidance to point me in the right direction. I pushed him harder and eventually he went into his back room and handed me this bottle of face wash And then gave me the warning that, be careful, this can bleach your skin. So 
I was a little embarrassed at the time I purchased the bottle to get home and I was so scared to use it. I put it in my bathroom cabinet and I, I never used it. But I did decide at that point that I'm a scientist. There has to be a reason why this is happening to my skin. My skin's been clear before. It can be clear again. I just need to understand why it's doing what it's doing, why I'm experiencing acne and reverse what's causing those changes. So I delved into the scientific literature and over probably about a year, I made changes to my skincare diet and lifestyle that cleared my skin of those acne breakouts that I was getting. And this is what I do now. I help women who feel stuck at rock bottom with acne breakouts to heal their skin naturally by identifying the root triggering causes of why their skin is breaking out. So hopefully nobody else has to have that moment that I did with the pharmacist being told that there's no help for them. They don't have to feel the way that I once felt in my skin. I'm so excited to dive into this because like I remember, um, and I'm actually kind of glad this happened, like when you were talking about the dermatologist, I know that a common thing that they do is prescribe Accutane. And, you know, that's an antibiotic. And now we're learning that too many antibiotics are, and it is an antibiotic, correct? No, so Accutane is actually, it's a form of, it's a brand name for tretinoin, which is a form of vitamin A, so all transretinoic acid. So it's slightly different, but you're very right because those are the two go-to prescriptions for acne, antibiotics or Accutane or a generic version of Accutane. Right. So what is the antibiotics? I feel like there's an antibiotic that a specific one that's typically used for acne, or is it just giving antibiotics? I don't know why I thought Accutane was an antibiotic. Yeah, no. So, so it is confusing. You're very right, because there are so many different uh, antibiotics even. There are many different types of antibiotics, including ones which are being developed specifically for treatment of acne. Um, the tetracyclines are often used for acne treatment they're used for a couple of reasons the way that they help to reduce symptoms of acne although the studies are showing that's very temporary is twofold so firstly when your skin is showing symptoms of acne your skin's bacteria balance is upset and there's a certain bacteria called C. acnes which overgrows when you're showing symptoms of acne Antibiotics kill off bacteria, so they help to cull the level of C. acnes, those acne bacteria that are living on your skin. Now, I know when we're talking about bacteria, that can sound scary, but all skin types have acne bacteria. It's just about the relative quantity of them on your right. skin. So when you have acne, you have more C. acnes. Antibiotics kill off the C. acnes, which can temporarily help to relieve symptoms. Secondly, and it's not so commonly known, antibiotics are anti-inflammatories. And acne is an inflammatory skin condition. So taking an anti-inflammatory helps to reduce inflammation, which reduces symptoms of acne. Now, more recent studies are actually showing that about eight weeks after you discontinue a course of these antibiotics for acne, the C. acnes population levels rebound to the same that they were before you started treatment within eight weeks. So you're seeing a reduction in your symptoms over those weeks that you're taking the antibiotic. 
you stop taking the antibiotic and then gradually over a few months time those symptoms come back but now you're very likely in a worse skin health condition than you were before studies are showing us that the Cacnes bacteria have rebounded to the levels that they were before you took the antibiotics but the, the good skin bacteria for example lactobacillus species they are in a reduced population state versus where they were at before you started taking the antibiotics. So those lactobacillus species actually have an anti-inflammatory effect. So like we just mentioned, acne being an inflammatory skin condition, they're very helpful and you want to be cultivating the presence of those on your skin. The studies also show that other bacteria that are associated with more negative health outcomes like infections of the skin. So um, another one is streptococcus. Uh, those are in a higher amount after taking the, when your bacteria rebound from discontinuation of the antibiotics. So it's really messing with our bacteria balance that are living on our skin. And it's it's not in a good way. So antibiotics, in my opinion, they're a very temporary form of acne treatment. They're not getting to the root cause of why you're breaking out, which is also really important. They're definitely like a band-aid on acne symptoms rather than a long-term resolution for acne. Wow, that is such a great explanation. I'm actually glad we started this because this is kind of a case study of, okay, guys, the quick fixes, so to speak, um, aren't necessarily the way to go. And what I was also going to get at is with the antibiotics specifically, you know, I've spoken to a lot of gut health experts and too many courses of antibiotics affects your gut health. And now mm -hmm. we're really understanding the importance of that gut health. And so, you know, there's just a lot of, negative things that can happen with these quick fixes. I don't know if there's like a normal course of how acne changes over one's lifetime or mm -hmm. if the, because I know in an ideal state, none of us want it, but I'm sure with, especially with women, how mm -hmm. our hormones change will impact. Like for example, in the teenage years, I had acne. I'm in perimenopause now and sometimes I get them very randomly. And I know that that is expected. You know, if you have PCOS, you know, acne is a big part of that. So can you walk us through like, I guess, how to understand the potential of getting acne and at what point should we be concerned? Or is it always, I have acne, therefore there's a problem? Acne is a skin condition that's greatly affected by the presence or absence of estrogen. So I know we alluded to this briefly when we were talking before a podcast about the changes that you're experiencing during perimenopause. Estrogen is a hormone which is sebo-suppressive, so it reduces sebum production. When skin begins to show symptoms of acne, there are three changes that are happening. Sebum production is increased and it's unbalanced. So there are more of certain types of oils which are stickier and they start to breed the acne bacteria in higher levels. You can think of it almost like a Michelin star meal for the acne bacteria. This unbalanced sebum is very yummy to them. 
Secondly, your skin cells go into a state of hyperkeratosis inside your pores, which you can think of like a thickening of skin inside your pores, and that causes your pores to be prone to clogging. And then thirdly, you have that overgrowth of the Ciacnes bacteria. So those three changes propagate each other and they go round in the cycle. Estrogen, because it's sebo-suppressive, it can help to take one of the points of that acne triangle away. And when you're confronting or taking away or reducing one of these points of the acne triangle, then you can pacify and reduce symptoms. So estrogen helps to reduce oil production. It is also a hormone which helps to sensitize our body to another hormone called insulin. Now, insulin is a hormone we release in response to eating food that is turned into blood sugar. And estrogen causes us to be sensitive, more sensitive to this hormone, which means we release less of it. That is a good thing because this hormone is associated with making your skin, um, the cells in your skin called sebocytes, which create sebum, which is our skin oil, causing them to overgrow. It's also, whenever insulin is released, it comes partnered with another hormone called insulin-like growth factor one, which is a steroid growth hormone. And it causes our skin cells to overgrow, which enters into that state of hyperkeratosis inside our pores. So estrogen is a very important hormone for your skin's risk of developing acne for these reasons, which is where you can see changes, for example, in perimenopause where skin is becoming prone to acne again because those estrogen levels are reducing. In terms of is acne normal to have and when does acne become a skin concern you should look into at a deeper level, if acne is happening for you very sporadically and it's not highly inflamed, so you're not getting big cystic breakouts along the jawline, maybe you're getting a few breakouts here and there once a month, but they heal very quickly, they're not persisting, they're not scarring. A few breakouts is absolutely nothing to worry about. You know, it's a normal function of our skin. Sometimes our, our pores get clogged. It's just a fact of life. However, if you're having persisting breakouts and they're happening at the same time every month, so you're sensing some patterns that are forming there and those breakouts are more inflamed, they're barely healing before the next ones are coming along, then you're getting into a skin condition where you should really be looking for help and assistance and to understand what your body is trying to communicate to you. Because at the end of the day, the skin is this beautiful organ that we can actually see. Our heart's locked away inside of ourselves and we can't see what's going on with it. Whereas our skin, we really can see. And it's an indicator of our inside health. We are biologically programmed to care about the way that our skin looks because it's alerting us to something that is going on underneath the hood, so to say. It wants us to pay attention because if we continue along the path that we are going down, there may be worse health outcomes to develop. Um, so 
So you talked about perimenopause. What about in adolescence? I mean, I think generally you're saying the theme of when to be concerned, but it seems like in adolescence, it's it's a bit more prevalent and more common. So I don't know if there's anything you wanted to comment there because, you know, in all the interviews that I've done on the podcast, you know, our hormones are changing a lot and someone doesn't have their cycle regulated until in their early 20s, mid 20s. And so there's so many vast changes. And honestly, same with perimenopause. Your hormones are just going crazy until you hit menopause where they get more stabilized. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I think that I, I can't remember what the uh, the term that some of the experts use. It's like something about like repeat adolescence or something like that, because now you're going through what you went through as an adolescent. So is there anything you wanted to comment there? Um, or is it just whatever you just explained applies regardless of your age, even if teenagers are just known to, to have the acne? Yeah. So teenage acne, going through puberty, it is commonly associated with symptoms of acne and breakouts. Most people believe that those breakouts are happening because of sex hormones. So estrogen, testosterone levels are changing. Testosterone is the hormone which speaks to our sebocytes, those oil-making cells, and causes them to become more activated. So they start to grow, release more sebum, skin gets oilier, and that can kick off the acne-causing cycle. What most people aren't aware of is that during puberty, you also go through a period of insulin resistance. So you imagine that period of puberty is also rapid growth phase and insulin hormones are growth hormones. So you can see why and how that's happening. Insulin resistance can be exaggerated and worsened by a Western diet. A classic Western diet tends to cause a condition of insulin resistance within our bodies. So it's important to understand whether, like you mentioned, it's just your hormones sorting themselves out, going through a period where they're more unbalanced and that's causing the acne, or whether that is exaggerated by a level of insulin resistance that is being caused by a western diet and lifestyle so it's hard to give that question a yes or no answer some level of acne for some people during puberty and those teenage years may be nothing to be concerned about But I would always recommend looking into those diet and lifestyle factors that are known to induce symptoms of acne, regardless of whether you're going through puberty or not. It's very much like a layering of factors. So the sex hormone changes that happen during puberty may not cause acne for an individual. However, if that individual has many other factors that are kicking off the same hormonal pathways within their bodies, and it's filling, if you imagine a basin of water and your hormone changes have put in a couple of cups of water, and then the Western diet and lifestyle is like having the taps on full throttle, and it's also (laughs) filling that sink. So it's definitely important to, you know, investigate if anything else is triggering those symptoms to occur within the skin. 
and you know, I'm, I'm, as I'm listening to you, I'm like, now I don't eat gluten or dairy. Um, mm-hmm. I feel like I'm more of an intuitive eater, but I also just don't have the gluten or dairy. And honestly, the black and I mean, being black and white about that has helped because I just, I have to say no to those and I make healthier choices. But I tell you, when I was in college, I'd eat Hungry Howie's pizza. When I was in high school, I'd go to Subway all the time and get those big Subway sandwiches with the white bread and the cheese mm-hmm. <laughs> and all those things. And I didn't have a horrible, horrible acne, but I, I definitely did. I hear you. My breakfast <laughs> when I was young, I look back on it and I gasp. I was, I was and I still am a chocoholic and I used to have Cocoa Pops with a huge amount of milk. I'd I'd literally drain it so that the Cocoa Pops would make the milk go all chocolatey and leave that last, last little mouthfuls. <laughs> and then I would have white processed bread with a huge layer of chocolate spread on it. And if, you know, if my parents would let me, I'd have two pieces of that as well. So yeah, I look back and I, yeah, I'm horrified. <laughs> That's so funny. But you know, it's funny because now I feel like with the internet and social media and stuff, younger kids are kind of starting to realize, um, yeah, you can't really eat that way. So, mm-hmm. so you know, it's interesting. I posed this question of what are your acne questions on social media? And they were all related to, can I eat this? Mm-hmm. So one was, does a gluten-free diet help? Another was, does junk food, you know, make a difference? And, um, you know, I, w- I guess what I would like to know, because we've already kind of alluded to diet being a factor, and I assume um, you would have a broader answer than yes or no. Um, mm-hmm. And there's obviously junk food is probably a no, but I'd love to get your reaction on what are some of the specific triggers and things to avoid that are universal, or is mm-hmm. it truly a one on one? discussion because there's way too many factors to take into consideration yes so the answer is actually a little bit of both there are some individual factors for people and then there are also some overall principles which will help to cultivate the foundations for clear skin and that's not as simple as just avoiding a certain food it's about the pathways within our body that are being triggered by a food group for example so where we talked earlier about the hormone insulin insulin is released in our bodies when we eat foods that are broken down into blood sugar which is glucose in our bloodstream so foods which cause our blood sugar levels to rise very quickly cause the need for more of this insulin hormone to be released. Therefore, the number one principle of any scientifically sound acne diet is to keep your blood sugar levels very stable. And there are multiple ways that you can do that. But some of the classic food groups, so most people associate sugary foods as causing these spikes in blood sugar. But actually refined carbohydrates, so the white bread, for an, an example, has a much larger impact on your blood sugar levels than table sugar would, for example. We're always looking at those, you know, what you might term as junk foods, the sugary snacks as the culprits, whereas actually the refined carbohydrates have a much greater impact on 
your blood sugar levels and therefore your skin health. I do have a free one page cheat sheet, which is a list of yes, no, and sometimes foods, which um, we can maybe link up to in the show notes, which makes a really great starting point for that number one rule of an acne diet for keeping your blood sugar levels really stable. And this is the difference between I often have clients come to me saying that they're eating really healthily already. And it's not about necessarily eating healthily. It's about eating the right foods to support your skin health. So there are some health foods that can cause large blood sugar swings. There are, for example, uh, dates are very high in sugar. Dried fruits are very high in sugar. So they're one type of health food that can actually cause a big swing in our blood sugar levels and therefore cause a large release of this insulin hormone to occur. So there are definitely general principles that apply to everybody and anybody for clear skin eating. There are then also some people where there may be another few layers that need to be added on top of those principles and you've mentioned one there, should you be avoiding gluten? Gluten is very much one of these food allergens that some people are reactive to. You may not be reactive to it from the point that you're experiencing the common uh, bowel symptoms, but you may be reacting to it in your skin because there's an underlying level of inflammation that's being caused within your body because you have an intolerance, not necessarily an allergy. So for some people going gluten-free, they will see a reduction in acne symptoms, but that's not one of the foundational principles necessarily of clear skin eating. I think I'm in the gluten intolerance category, but I do Mm -hmm. notice sometimes I will cheat, but I get like, my skin is like a little uneven. And then I had tried the AIP diet and, you know, I'm saying this story because there may be little things that people have with their skin, you know, not just acne related. Like I have keratis pilaris on my arms even. And when I did the AIP diet, it was completely gone. I clear my throat a lot. So there's something I'm eating that's making me clear my throat. I used to have a runny nose. I figured out it was red meat. And so it's really interesting how the diet manifests in so many ways, not just acne. And, you know, would you say that it may not be like when I was telling you about the little dots that appear on my head, it just like is like uneven and just like bumpy. It's not really like acne. Mm -hmm. So um, it seems like the diet can have an impact on just overall even skin, right? Absolutely. And yes, absolutely. I often I'm thinking of one of my clients in particular, because when we healed her acne, she also said to me, the food changes that we've made, I had KP on my arms, and now it's completely resolved. So these changes, like we spoke about before, your skin is a presentation of your inside health. And when you make changes to heal acne, you also have side effects, maybe like increased energy, no longer getting low moods, no longer having energy crashes through the day, feeling better in yourself, healthier. It's not just that your skin health has improved, your body health has improved too. And those are very intimately linked. 
Yeah. You know, it's funny. I'm thinking like almost uh, the way in society we view acne, it's probably a greater motivator. Like I, 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 like for example, the AIP diet is so hard to do mm-hmm. when you're very busy and trying to make all the foods the exact specific way or when you're going out to eat with friends, it is almost impossible. But I would tell you, like if I had acne, I probably would be more motivated to really try to figure it out. And right now I'm like, yeah, I'm just clearing my throat, keratis pilaris, yeah, it's, it's fine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Absolutely. So um, I, I feel like sometimes we humans uh, with the lives we live are just like certain things we'll just tolerate. <laughs> yeah, it's like our body knows we know and we need an extra motivator to actually be healthier and happier for sure. Yeah. The, the changes that I've made, I, I often get asked by my partner or friends, but do you miss eating these foods that you avoid or you always eat so healthily? Do you not miss eating the junk food or all the sugary things? And I hand on my heart, don't really, because I know the difference that it makes for my body. Yes. And that's 100%. not just how my skin looks. That That's a huge factor and that is a huge factor in my self-esteem. But the way that I feel inside you know, uh, I've definitely, since making those changes, reduced anxiety, more energy, all of the good things have happened because of those changes. So that's a huge motivator for me personally to not go back on the changes that I've made. And I know that's true for a lot of other women as well. So we talked about diet as being a big factor in, you know, evening out um, or getting rid of that acne. Are there, so what I want to get at is one, are there other things internally that we can do? And then if it really is mostly diet, then I'd love to go to externally. Um, you know, like you alluded to the skin regimen, um, you know, then there's the, the quick things we do. Like I discovered recently from, uh, at the gym, this woman was using these acne patches and so they're Mm. clear patches. And again, I don't know better and I don't get acne often. So of course I went on Amazon and ordered the patch Mm -hmm. and um, I think they made a difference. I didn't really do a clinical trial on myself (laughs) to see if this, this acne was healed better with it or without benzoyl peroxide, you know, anything we can do to, I just remember anything we could do to dry out our skin, um, to hopefully toothpaste I've heard is a thing you can use. (laughs) So like, you know, we've, we've all been there. I'm sure people can relate to these crazy examples. You know, you talked about the makeup and then it's like, how do you get the right makeup so it doesn't get crusty and all these things. So, you know, I'd love your reaction to one, anything more internally we can do. And then let's talk about some of these external things and, and which ones are a big no and, and which ones are okay and which ones we should consider that we may not think of absolutely so I'm gonna say yes diet is the number one internal factor to be working on and there's a whole load of fun and all those things that you've just mentioned so I think talking (laughs) spending some time talking to those will be really interesting um those acne patches yes so there are so many different kinds of those acne patches there are ones which actually have no active ingredient in them whatsoever and they're just sealing the area of your skin and they can be highly effective for speeding up the healing cycle because what's happening when you have a breakout is that your skin barrier is really disrupted so when your skin's really healthy and happy you can think of it as being like a shield 
when you have a breakout there there's a hole in that shield that's formed and your skin's job and function is to protect you against the external environment and to prevent bacteria that live on those very top levels of your skin from getting deeper into your skin and causing infections and when you have that hole in your skin shield those bacteria can get deeper into your skin at that moment in time, which is actually what causes a lot of the inflammation that you start to see in the redness. And environmental allergens, pollen, pollution particles, those are also getting more deeply into your skin. And that is very stressful. So your skin's diverting all of its resources to fighting this war. Whereas when you put these spot stickers on, you're sealing off that area and you're reducing the skin stress levels. So therefore your skin can divert some of that energy to fighting the war towards healing the acne lesion that is in your skin at that moment in time. So the acne patches can be actually really, really helpful for that. There are lots of different kinds. Some of them even go into... Uh, if you remember uh, nicotine patches that people will wear, yeah, on their arms, so they have micro needles on them, which sounds scary, but they're super, super tiny needles that you don't even feel when you're putting this patch onto your arm. And there are some acne stickers that have these micro needles that deliver active ingredients that can help to heal acne quicker into deeper levels of your skin, which is where it's going to be much more effective. So there are those two different kinds. And yes, they're definitely something that I recommend to use for helping to heal acne more quickly. But they're definitely not something, if you're experiencing many breakouts, that you should be relying on to heal them. You should also have a really supportive skincare routine that's helping to improve your skin health um, versus getting rid of acne. So whenever I'm creating a skincare routine for somebody, it's never my number one aim to get rid of the acne. Actually getting rid of acne with skincare products, if you know which ones to use, can be done very quickly, but you'll end up with side effects and long-term, usually a worsening of acne symptoms. My aim is to improve your skin health so that it naturally resists acne breakouts. And that long term is a much better situation to be in because you're not getting side effects from what I call blitz it anti-acne skincare products like you mentioned the drying of the skin with products like benzoyl peroxide it's very much a quick fix so benzoyl peroxide is a oxidant uh, you can think of it like a bleach. So it kills stuff and it's killing off that acne bacteria in your pores, but it also can be very drying to your skin. So that gets rid of some of the excess sebum that's being created, which can help to reduce symptoms of acne. But because it's drying your skin, because it's an oxidant and oxidants cause damage, it's not just killing off those acne bacteria. It's also killing off the good bacteria. It's causing added stress to your skin. You can end up in this cycle of very red, inflamed, damaged, dry, dehydrated, but also kind of oily on the surface layer um, in the skin condition that then propagates a worsening of acne long term. So benzoyl peroxide is definitely not a treatment that I recommend. It's not something that you can use long term and have healthy, happy skin. And that's okay. what 
the goal is to have really healthy, happy skin and not be constantly having to use a number of different skincare products because the benzoyl peroxide is causing the dryness of the skin, but it's getting rid of acne. So then you add in more products to confront the dryness, but those other products might be causing pore clogging. And then instead of getting red inflame spots, you're getting <laughs> microcondones on your forehead. So it's a, it can be a vicious cycle. FemPower Health is pleased to partner with the upcoming FemTech and Consumer Innovation Summit. The summit is the latest deep dive event, part of the Women's Health Innovation Series, looking to tackle this growing sector of women's health, having had continental success in driving innovation, investment, research, and partnerships in traditional women's health care by bringing together critical stakeholders. Join us in New York on June 7th and 8th as we channel this success into the consumer sector of women's health. Visit www.femtechconsumerinnovation.com to view the superstar speaker lineup and enter code FEMPOWER15 for 15% off your ticket. Hope to see you there. I know I'm laughing because I remember as a teenager, like, I don't know if Seabreeze still exists, but I remember I'd put on Seabreeze and benzoyl peroxide and exactly what you're saying would happen. I'm like, why is nothing working? Yeah. Because <laughs> I was eating Hungry Howies and Frosted Flakes. And <laughs> <laughs> that uh, thought as well, you know, why is nothing working? It can be so frustrating, especially if you've seen, you've used a skincare product, which for the first few weeks, it's shown a beneficial change in your skin. So you feel like, oh my goodness, I finally found something that's working. And you have that relief. And then, you know, maybe a month or two later, the acne starts coming back and getting worse actually than it was before. But it's hard to make that connection between adding in that skincare product because it you saw it make a positive change in the beginning for some time. And now that skincare product causing a worsening of your symptoms long term. And that's often what happens with blitz at skincare Short term, you see a resolution, and so you keep on using it, not realizing that it's actually now contributing to a worsening of acne symptoms. Do you know? Do you have like a high level summary of important considerations so that we choose the right skincare routine to aid in our now healthy diet that we've learned we should be uh, working on? So there, there's quite a few levels to this. And um, I have an online course, Acne Warrior, where I go into this in detail. I think if we pick up a couple of changes that anybody listening to this podcast could make, first of all, one of the common mistakes that people fall into when they're creating a skincare routine for acne prone skin is overwashing of the skin. So in my opinion, in my scientific opinion, overwashing of your skin is washing your skin more than or more than once a day. So most commonly, many of us are washing our skin twice a day in the evening and in the morning. The reason why overwashing can be very damaging for our skin health is because our skin has what's called an acid mantle. This acid mantle helps to keep the good bacteria thriving and prevent the bad bacteria from overgrowing. So I don't know if you're aware of the pH scale. Yes. Yes. So it runs from zero to 14. Think of it like mm -hmm. a ruler. And lemon juice is very acidic. So that rates the pH two on that scale. 
Seven is neutral and tap water is usually somewhere above neutral. If you're in a hard water area, your tap water has a pH above 8.5. And then the very alkaline region around 12 to 14, that's bathroom cleaners, bleachers and so on. Our skin has a natural pH level of below five when it's at its healthiest, somewhere between 4.2 to five. Now, tap water is a higher than that. And studies have shown that immediate, just one washing procedure of your skin with tap water is enough to raise your skin's pH level. But when our skin is really happy and healthy, it can reacidify itself within an hour or so. The more times we're washing, the more stress we're putting onto our skin. And if we also add in an alkaline cleanser to that, so many people, when they have acne, turn to natural skincare because it's easy to see natural skincare as being healthier, gentler to your skin. But when you have a natural cleanser, for example, a natural soap or a car style cleanser, those are alkaline. And some of those can register a pH level as high as nine to 12. So when you compare that against the ideal pH of your skin, which is below five, you're, you've got tap water, which is above neutral, can be anywhere from kind of seven, well over 8.5. And then you're adding on an alkaline cleanser into the equation. There's a lot of stress on your skin at that point. So you're raising its pH level. Those good skin bacteria start to slip away and the acne bacteria find your skin a comfier place to exist. So they start to overgrow. And at its heart, acne is not necessarily the overgrowth of acne bacteria, but the loss of diversity of bacteria that are living on your skin. When your acidity level increases, it encourages that loss of diversity on your skin. So washing your skin twice a day is actually quite stressful for your skin health. So first of all, I recommend changing your routine to washing your face just once a day in the evening that ensures that all the pollution particles dust particles from the day are removed from your skin before sleeping and so long as your bed sheets are clean there's really no need to be washing your skin again in the morning it's more of a western marketing tactic to have us washing our our skin twice a day uh, that's one change I strongly recommend anybody listening to this now makes. You can still splash your face with water in the morning if you need something to ease yourself into, not washing your face in the morning. And then you could also use, for example, a swipe of refreshing toner, which is pH balanced instead of washing your face in the morning. So that will immediately start to improve your skin health. Some other tips for what to avoid and what to do instead. So it's really common to want to not moisturize your skin when you have acne because acne is commonly associated with oily skin. Right. Like we spoke about with the skin barrier, when it's upset, it's letting in bad bacteria that live in our skin much more deeply. When we skip that step altogether, we skip the moisturizer that is causing a decline in our skin barrier health. 
So you definitely still want to be using a moisturizer in your skincare routine. It's just about that moisturizer being the right one. When many people turn to natural skincare, a moisturizer that I think it's still very popular, it's still recommended on Google for acne prone skin is coconut oil. Now, coconut oil can actually make acne worse. It's recommended for acne prone skin because coconut oil can have some mild antibacterial benefits, which helps to reduce the acne bacteria that are overgrowing on skin. However, the reason why coconut oil has that antibacterial benefit is because it contains an oil or fatty acid called lauric acid. Now, lauric acid rates as highly comedogenic. In science, we have this ruler of comedogenicity, which is how a ingredient, how lightly an ingredient is to block your pores. Coconut oil rates a four out of five on that ruler. So five is the maximum that something can rate. And actually cocoa butter rates a four out of five. Coconut um, oil is 50%, around 50% lauric acid. So it's, it's highly, it has a high potential to be comedogenic when you're using that on your skin. You also want to ensure that moisturizers don't have a high amount of coconut oil. It's about finding the right moisturizer for your skin type and for your skin being acne prone, not about not using a moisturizer. You know, I used to have um, a really oily T-zone and Mm. I have found through diet and I actually use Beliefs Aquabomb. So you can imagine from that, it's like highly moisturizing because apparently I, I didn't realize this, I have dry skin and a little bit of rosacea. And um, I am now a believer. It's kind of like when, you know, low fat yogurt and you look at the back, it's higher in sugar. So it tastes Mm -hmm. better. But, you know, so now I eat high fat. So it's like I um, I'm proud to say I've overcome that avoiding the things that dry out the skin. And it actually is helping and it feels so like opposite of what one should do. Yes. Definitely, because it's that oily nature of the skin which we're associating with acne. And it's 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 nice to remember that normal skin types also have all of these oils. It's just that they're in the right proportions and the right quantities. And when they are in those portions and quantities, skin doesn't look oily or greasy. So it's about understanding that change in the sebum and therefore what oils, what natural oils you want to avoid. So when skin becomes acne prone, it's creating more of an oil called oleic acid. Now, certain natural oils also contain oleic acid. And so you don't want to be pouring more oleic acid onto your skin because that's just exaggerating the symptoms and the cycle of acne that you're in at that moment in time. And that can cause a, a strong worsening of acne symptoms because actually oleic acid, the bacteria, the acne bacteria that live in our skin, they break it down into what's called free oleic acid. And in that state, it becomes what's called in science a biofilm and virulence factor, which essentially <laughs> means it makes it really easy for the acne bacteria to hang around. So a biofilm in science, I describe this as if somebody was staging a protest, maybe they want to prevent a building from being knocked down and 
they're there as an individual. Now, if somebody comes to remove that individual, it's really easy for somebody to pick that person up and take them away. But if that person is there with many other people and they all hold hands and they sit down, that one person isn't going to be able to move that ring of people. And this is what a biofilm of acne bacteria, you can think of it like this. It's lots of acne bacteria holding hands with each other sitting down and staging a protest inside your pores. And when they're in this biofilm condition, they're really resistant. Many commonly prescribed anti-acne skincare medications, as well as anti-acne skincare, these biofilms can resist them. So that's where people may find themselves in a condition where they're trying what should work, but it's not working. And in that instance, you need to be confronting the biofilm formation and also what's causing the food for that biofilm to be able to form in the first place. Um, you know, it's funny. I feel like we could nerd out for like six hours on every aspect of this. Like I was even wondering about probiotics, et cetera. I'm sure that there is so much on your website. And it sounds like if I'm uh, hearing you correctly, you also coach women through this process. Yes, I do. So I have a online course called Acne Warrior and I also work with people one-to-one -one, um, to help heal their acne too. You know, we've covered a lot. We've covered diet, we've covered the science, um, we've covered hormones, skincare routines. What would be your main takeaway, um, especially since you've coached people through this and you've studied the science? You know, what would you want people to to remember from this discussion or what would be the advice that you would give to them? Yeah. So the number one piece of advice, the, the big mistake I see many people making is it's easy to see acne as a symptom that's external and want to treat it entirely externally. So we see something changing on our skin and we reach very naturally to skincare to want to relieve those symptoms and to get rid of acne actually most of what is causing the acne is happening internally so it's very important that you're confronting acne with inside out changes as well as outside in changes acne cannot be healed with skincare alone in a healthy way and actually skincare in itself is much more than just the products that you're putting on your skin skincare is good skincare, skincare is good diet, skincare is good lifestyle. So it's all encompassing of those. Thank you. Wow, this this uh, discussion blew me away. I, I am so happy that we connected and that you truly understand in depth the science behind acne. And my hope is that um, people hear this and they follow your words of wisdom, follow you on social media and take your courses as needed. This was really, really great. It's my pleasure. If I can just help one woman from feeling the way that I felt with acne and not knowing where to turn or what to do, then that's my, my job done. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to this discussion on the FemPower Health podcast. You can refer to the show notes for links to information that is referred to in this episode. 
And if you like this episode and found it timely and valuable, please take a moment to tell a friend or a colleague about Vempower Health. And right after this episode is over, please think of one person who might find this episode helpful and tell them about it. And if your friend is new to podcasting, please show them how to subscribe to our show. And another way to support FemPower Health Podcast is to leave a review where you listen to podcasts. And as a reminder, the information shared by FemPower Health is not medical advice, but for information purposes to enable you to have more effective conversations with your doctor. Always talk to your doctor before making health-related decisions. Additionally, the views expressed by the FemPower Health Podcast guests are their own and their appearance on the program does not imply an endorsement of them or any entity they represent. See you next week. And that wraps up another empowering session here at the FemPower Health Podcast. Now, before you dash off, I've got a quick, exciting invitation for you. Please join our vibrant community by subscribing to our weekly newsletter, because it's really your frontline update on groundbreaking women's health research, the latest health-enhancing products, fun quizzes to boost your health IQ, and unique discoveries that you won't want to miss. All of this delivered straight to your inbox, cutting through the noise of social media algorithms. Love today's insights? Show your support by rating and reviewing our podcast. Your feedback is more than just a pat on our backs here at FemPower Health. It lights the way for others seeking guidance and community in their health journey, amplifying the voices that need to be heard. And for a deeper dive into today's topics, check out the show notes and explore our website at fempower-health.com. Our site is a treasure trove of knowledge, neatly categorized by topics of interest and life stages ensuring you find exactly what you need to empower your health journey. And your voice matters to us deeply. Whether you have a question, a story to share, or feedback on our episodes, reach out directly at info at fempower-health.com. Drop us a message on social media or hit reply on any newsletter. Your insights inspire our conversations. And a quick note, the knowledge we share is here to embolden you in discussions with your healthcare provider. It's not medical advice. Always consult with your doctor for health decisions. And remember, the diverse perspectives of our guests reflect their individual journeys, and it's not an endorsement by FemPower Health. Here's to empowering your health journey one episode at a time, and I'll see you on the next FemPower Health podcast episode.